everyone, this is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, September 11th, 2016. Faith Steps, Perseverance. And so this morning we begin a new series called Faith Steps. Our purpose is to look at those steps we can take to deepen our faith, those steps we can take to get ever closer to God, those steps we can take to become the person God intended when God first thought of us. Today's faith step is based on perspective. Good morning, Connection Church. Well, I'm a child of God with a little bit of a cold, so bear with me. That's why I'm kind of doing like, good morning, and we're doing like elbow bumps instead. Wasn't that a great song that we just sang? We are the child of, you are a child of God. That is the truth. So my name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who've been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, thank you that you do call us child. You call us son. You call us daughter. <coughs> and now, God, as we delve in a little bit more about faith, and specifically faith perspective. God, open our hearts and remove any distraction right now so that we can really settle in and receive your word. We ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And everybody gathered said, Amen. Amen. So a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about backstories and uh, Carrie and I shared some of ours, but here's a, here's a little bit more of our backstory. Carrie and I didn't meet until I was a senior in high school. She was a sophomore. But ironically, we lived in the same neighborhood growing up until I was about 10 and she was about 8 years old. It was a subdivision, yeah, of a place. Aren't they just adorable? <laughs> of course, we didn't know each other then. Too bad. Anyway. Um, uh, it was a subdivision of Newark called Brookside. Anybody here familiar with uh, Brookside? Yeah, a lot of, lot of kind of starter homes up there. And uh, my parents, in fact, moved in uh, one week before I was born back in 1954. Yeah. So <laughs> Brookside was a great place to be a kid. Everything was within walking distance. In fact, Brookside Elementary School backed up to my backyard so I could just hop the fence and go to school and then come home for lunch. I got to come home for lunch and then go back to school. It was great. There was a pharmacy close by. It was called Pollard's Pharmacy. Anybody remember that? My dad used to work there on a little side job and um, he delivered their prescriptions. Uh, did you spin the stools there? I whoever? did. Like, you know, you'd go through and just spin every stool. Of course, we weren't allowed to do it unless nobody else was in the store. But it was so much fun. And there was a kitty world close by, and there was a bowling alley, and across the street from the, from the Brookside Shopping Center, on each corner were two churches. One was Kingswood United Methodist Church, and the other was St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church. I was at Kingswood with my family, and Alan and his family we're at St. Andrew, Andrews, and we didn't even know each other. How about didn't that? It was faith, it was God other. that brought us together. And so my house was like, um, I'm on the next block back of those two churches, but the best part about where I lived 
was I lived at the bottom of the big hill. Now, the big hill, I mean, it was huge. It's, and, and we still talk about it. There's a guy who, who grew up in the neighborhood. A couple years ago, we were talking to photographers about wedding photography. And, and we met him, and the first thing he said was something about the big hill. See, he lived at the top, and I lived at the bottom, the big hill. You know, finally, when I could ride my bike in the street, tearing down the big hill was like the ultimate thrill. But the real, the, the best part of the big hill was wintertime, when it would snow. And I'll tell you, it's a little tough going up the big hill with these little six-year-old legs trudging up in the deep snow, pulling that big, heavy sled, you know. But you get to the top, and then, oh, my goodness, you go down, and it was... It was the ride of a lifetime, and I can, you know, I just remember it like it was yesterday. And in fact, a couple years ago, my son Turner and I were up in Newark for something. I said, you know, I got to show him the old neighborhood, and especially, you know, I wanted him to see the big hill. So I, I drove in the neighborhood, and I drove to where I used to live, and the problem is, I couldn't find the big hill. It's like it wasn't there anymore. I mean, that street was still there. But the hill, when I was a kid, man, it was 30, probably 45 degrees. <laughs> and this street now was like maybe a five degree, maybe, t I don't know. It, it, hardly, it hardly went down at all. I, I stood there and I wondered what happened to the big hill. Well, what happened is that Alan grew up and he became a man with children and grandchildren. He wasn't a kid anymore. He's not a kid See, anymore. See, I've been telling you that I grew up, and you kept disagreeing <laughs> with me. Okay, she's finally admitted it. There you go. You know, the hill hadn't changed, but Alan's perspective changed. His perspective changed. As, as a grown-up person, by this time, he had been on a lot of really big hills, either going up in the car or down in the car or in a tube or on skis. He had seen some pretty big hills. You see, perspective is everything. Can you say that with me? Perspective is everything. It's still big in my mind's eye. But anyway, in the Bible, perspective is everything as well. We find an example of this in the Old Testament in the book of Numbers, in chapters 13 and 14. Moses is leading the Hebrew people through the desert. They're free after 400 years of enslavement in Egypt. They haven't been in the desert very long, and God has already shown them many miracles, many times where God has intervened supernaturally in their lives, in their situations. He parted the Red Sea when the Egyptians were closing in to recapture them. He provided manna, a bread-like substance, out there in the de every day, except for Sabbath. They got a double measure the day before. Every day out there in the desert, he provided this bread-like substance for them. And he just got done supplementing the manna with quail when they complained that they didn't have any meat in their diet. And you think, oh, God sent a few quail along. He's feeding two million people out there. That's more than a couple of quail that visited this community out there in the desert. Well, just 11 days earlier, Moses had come down from the mountain with the most important thing, with the Ten Commandments, God's law. And so now they're at the border of the promised land, the, the land of milk and honey. 
It's the place where the Lord had instructed Moses to send out a leader from each of the tribes to explore this land, this land of Canaan, the land that God had promised. And so Moses did. He sent out 12 men, one from each tribe, with instructions to see what the land looked like. Was it good or was it bad? Whether there, there were people there that were strong or whether they appeared more weak. Were there a lot of people or were there a few? What were the towns like? Were they unwalled or were they fortified? What was the soil like? Was it fertile or was it barren? They were told to bring back some fruit of the land. Mm. And so they were gone for 40 days, exploring, collecting, researching. They, they, they reported back to the entire Hebrew community, showing them the fruit of the land that they'd collected, saying that the land flowed with milk and honey, which is an expression we find in the Bible that conveys the idea that there was plenty of healthy livestock, thus reproducing, thus producing milk, and that there were, there were, the plant life was very healthy, and the bees were very healthy, thus producing a lot of very good honey. The, the flora and the fauna were flourishing in that land. They also reported that the people living in that land were very powerful, and that the cities were fortified, and that the cities were very large. Picking it up at Numbers chapter 13, beginning at verse 30. Then Caleb, he was one of the twelve, silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Mm. Wow. Tough report, huh? We then read in chapter 14 that the entire community raised their voices and wept aloud that night. They grumbled against Moses and against his brother Aaron. And this is what they, this is what they said. They said, um, if only we had, had died in Egypt or in this wilderness, why is, this, is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to, to, to go back to Egypt? And then they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Wow. Isn't it amazing how quickly we're able to forget? Isn't it amazing how quickly they forgot what the conditions were in Egypt? And they weren't good. <laughs> That's why they left. They were enslaved in Egypt. They had no freedom. They worked and worked until they dropped. And then every time they faced this challenge when they were in the desert after they left Egypt, they would think back to the good old days 
that really weren't good at all. And actually, they weren't really old at that point because they hadn't been gone that terribly long. Earlier, when they faced a food challenge in the desert, they remembered the food in Egypt as though they had been eating at a five-star restaurant. That's not how it was. In addition, they had forgotten that God had taken care of them right there where they were with the manna, with the quail. They had forgotten. How often do we forget? They forgot. You see, it's all about perspective. And they had a very slanted perspective when it came to realizing and remembering how things were. Not to mention the perspective about forgetting about God's blessings in their lives. Hmm. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, they tore their clothes and, and they said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the land, the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Say the next line with me, please. But, but the, the whole, whole assembly, assembly talked about, about stoning, stoning them. them. You see, it's all about what? It's all about perspective. It is. Caleb is joined by Joshua as they express their belief uh, that they can, in fact, take the land. They have this perspective because they're focused on God and on God's promises. They've seen God deliver before. They remembered and they trust and they believe that God will deliver again. And they shared it with the community. They said it right there. The Lord is with us. Say it with me. The Lord is with us. But the whole community instead wanted to stone them because the community, led by the other ten spies, was focused not on God and what God had done and what God could do, but they were focused on what they had seen and how they perceived it. As they said, we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. Can you hear them whining? Jeez. How do they know how they even look to these other people? They allowed their feelings of inadequacy to dictate their perspective rather than their faith in God. Rather than remembering what God had done in the past and using that as a springboard for what God could do and would do in the future, they allowed themselves to become inner focused on what they were capable of doing on their own instead of what God was capable of doing through them. They became reliant on self rather than reliant on God, and that resulted in a perspective that was 180 degrees from that of Caleb and Joshua, 180 degrees from a God-focused, God-trusting, God-based perspective on faith. So how often are, are we like 
the 10 spies, allowing our feelings of inadequacy to dictate our perspective, allowing ourselves to be the focus of what we can do rather than what God can do in and through us and around us. How often do we forget what God has done? We've received the gift just by the breath that we could take a minute ago or right this minute, right this second. Our lives right now, it's a gift. How often do we not even recognize the blessings? How often do we allow ourselves to feel like grasshoppers, to be invisible, to be ready, like thinking somebody's just going to smack us down when God is backing us? When God is for us, who can be against us? That's a promise. God is with us. God is for you. How often do we limit, do we allow our limitations to dictate what we think God can do? Really sad part of this whole thing is, as a result of these negative reports from the 10 spies, the Hebrew community did not move into the promised land at that point. In fact, as a result of their faithlessness, God would, would have the Israelites wander around the desert a total of 40 years. And the reason for that is that was the time necessary for the naysayers to die off. Two generations, roughly. The Lord made it clear to Moses that every one of the ten spies would die before entering the promised land. Only the faithful, Caleb and Joshua, only the faithful two out of those twelve spies, would live to see what had been promised. They were the ones whose perspective had allowed them to take faith steps. Our logo for this series are steps up and to the right with the arrow. When things are up and to the right, it means that this is a symbol of one step at a time getting ever closer to the Lord. A little more faith, a little more trust, a little more of this, a little more of that. More and more as we take steps Sometimes they're just baby steps toward up and to the right. That's where we're going, up and to the right. It's a symbol of planting our face toward the sky, toward the Lord. And so when we think about faith, think about steps up and to the right as our perspective mm. shifts up mm. and to the right. Mm. You know, up and to the right is an idea of finding business getting ever closer to the goal we find it here at church. Throughout life, we use that. But what's interesting, I looked this idea up on the internet just to see what, what I would find up and to the right. And this is what I got. <laughs> on the left, what people think it looks like. And then to the right, what up and to the right actually uh, looks like when we live it out day by day. It's, uh, 
It's funny, it kind of looks like the path the Hebrews followed in the desert for 40 years. And, and there's good reason for that. Because our up and to the right, it doesn't follow a smooth line, does it? It's not even nice, even steps most of the time. Our steps here are nice and even for purpose because we want it to look nice. But our up, up and to the right of our lives isn't nice and even each and every day, is it? It often looks more like the spaghetti on the right there. Yeah, stop, starts, retraces, one step forward, two step back some days, two forward, one back, round and around, round and around. But here's the thing. A couple things. First of all, if you notice, ultimately it goes from bottom left and it goes up and to the right, doesn't it, ultimately? Even with all the stops and starts and circles. Yeah. And the other thing is this. Every encounter we have with God, with a miracle, with God's faithfulness, changes our perspective. And we can have faith because we've trusted God with the details of our lives, and we've seen God in a variety of ways, and, 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 and we've even been able to find comfort and peace in the midst of chaos as we've taken these faith steps. Even though they're not always nice and even, we have seen God's faithfulness in our lives as we've taken those steps. Think about children. Now, we say children, little ones, have a childlike faith. You know, they haven't lived life very long, so they just believe. They just have faith. But then something happens as we grow up. We experience this, and we experience that, and we get knocked down, and then we get back up. And then our perspective might become a little jaded or hardened, especially when we get these curveballs that we don't expect, or when perhaps God doesn't answer prayers the way we think, or perhaps we think God doesn't even hear or even care anymore. It's really important. It's critical to keep on looking up and to the right. Instead of looking down, look up. It's a posture that we have toward God. Now, it's no secret. I've told you all that I'm going through this rough time right now. And, and I've been here a couple times before in my life. But here's what I do. I have these markers where I can think about God's faithfulness in my life. That God was faithful in a little thing, in a big thing. That God's promises have come to pass in really good ways. And we all, we all can come up with something where we know that God blessed us in some way or that we experienced God through some way. It might not be an audible voice. I'm not well, I have heard that once, but it's not the norm. But we cling to these markers. And you see, when we cling to those markers, we realize that God is faithful. And God will not let us go. Our, our previous markers here can hold us faithful now and in our days ahead. And ultimately, when we have this posture of lifting our eyes up and our symbols up and to the right, 
we take those positive steps toward God. And here again, that jumbled up mess that was on there before, even though it was a little jumbled, it started bottom left, but it ended up up and to the right. So how about you? What's your faith perspective? Is it like that of Caleb and Joshua? Have you seen evidence of God's, uh, uh, in your life of God's promises being fulfilled and therefore you have expectations that God will continue to do that in the future? Have you, have you realized both God's grace and God's mercy? You see, God's grace is where you got good things that you didn't deserve. And God's mercy is where you didn't get the bad things <laughs> that you did deserve. <laughs> God's grace and mercy. Or perhaps your perspective is more like the other guys, the ten spies, and the community around them, you know, trusting more in yourself and in, in your own direction than in God's plan for your life. I mean, do you see yourself as a mere grasshopper just waiting to be slammed down, waiting for the next crushing event? Or do you look up? You see, it is all about perspective. And our perspective changes as we grow in relationship with Jesus. You know, the big hill was huge when I was six. In fact, when I think about it now, it's still like that because I'm thinking about it from a six-year-old perspective because that's what's lodged in my brain from way back when. You know, the <laughs> but now that I'm in my 60s, <laughs> it's changed a little bit. The hill didn't change. As Carrie said earlier, my perspective changed. And my perspective on many things has changed, especially my faith perspective my spiritual perspective. I've grown in my faith over the years as I've seen God at work in my life and, and I realize that God will continue to fulfill the promises that he's made. Now I know Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament promises that he died for me and that he resurrected and now he lives through eternity. And I know because of that, I am able to be born new. I'm a new creation. And I know I can trust God to continue to do more of what he's already done because I have that experience, as Carrie said, those markers that I can draw back on and I know what he's done and I know that he's doing and I know that he will continue to do in the future. I know he'll do more of what he's already done and my faith will continue to grow up and to the right little by little as I entrust more and more of my life to God with the faithful perspective that he loves me and he, he always wants what's best for me. So the question again, how about you? What is your faith perspective? How is your faith perspective? Are you going up and to the right? Are you able to trust in the future because of how God has delivered in the past those promises, those touches? from God, those blessings, or have you not been able to trust to this very point and you haven't experienced or recognized the fruit or the blessings? Here's what we're suggesting, just a baby step. 
just one step at a time. And read your Bibles. These are the promises of God intended for each one of us, for you. And pray, communicate, talk to God, listen for God. That's how our faith can grow. And claim the power of love, Jesus' love for you, and the power of the Holy Spirit that resides in you. It gives us strength. We aren't strong. He is strong. And so our perspective can change as we trust and grow in our faith. Let God show you what God is capable of showing you and doing in your life. And you know, the steps Carrie talked about come in all sizes. And, you know, maybe you're ready for one of God's really big faith steps, you know, a monster big faith step. Um, maybe a major life change. Maybe it's a career change. Maybe it's, uh, I don't know, maybe adopting a child. That would be a big career change, wouldn't it? Or maybe it's, maybe God's calling you to be in some kind of missionary work, some, maybe even on the other side of the world. That would be a huge faith step. Maybe, maybe that's what God is calling you to, and maybe that's the point in your life that, that, that you're ready for. But on the other hand, maybe, maybe this is new to you, and maybe, maybe you haven't really taken many faith steps at all yet, and and maybe God's just calling you to take a baby faith step at this point. And, and maybe that faith step is just something as simple as, um, I don't know, joining a small group here at church. You know, trusting to share some of your stuff with some other people that you feel you can trust. Or, 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 or maybe it involves taking a faith step of a, a new serving opportunity here at Connection. Maybe it's a face step of just saying, okay, I'll, I don't know everything about it, but I'll come to Alpha on Wednesday nights and I'll, I'll, take, I'll trust that that's going to be of value to me. Maybe it's a monster step, maybe it's a little step, but, you know, it's a step. What, whatever it is for you, we would encourage you to allow God to, to share his perspective with you so that you might step out in faith, big or small. You know, when we take those faith steps, we get ever closer to God. We get up and to the right, ever closer to who God want, what God wants for us, who God wants us to be, ever closer to that person God intended when God first thought of us. You get that much closer to what God has for you, a deeper faith perspective as you move up and to the right. Amen? Amen. That's the good news. Let's believe it. Let's live it. Let's pray. Most holy God, uh, <laughs> these faith steps can be kind of tough, especially the big ones. And yet that's what you call us. You call us to take the faith step, and then you deliver the blessing. It doesn't go the other way around. Lord, I ask that you would give each one here the courage and the, the fortitude the, and the perspective that, that, that you will deliver good things that you have in the past and you will continue to do that into the future. Please help us to be Caleb's and Joshua's, Lord, to faithfully follow as you lead. Please help us to not be the other ten spies who saw themselves as grasshoppers ready to be crushed. Please help us to know that we have you on our side, the power of the universe right here at our fingertips. Through you, God, the Lord of all creation. We ask these things in 
In your name, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And all your church said, Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692.